Good afternoon. Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We have some general market commentary for everybody today as we wrap up this Thursday afternoon. Welcoming in uh, an old friend uh, to the podcast, somebody who has not been on in quite some time because he's, uh, he's he's got a new gig. He's now the senior editor over at Bloomberg, Mr. Edward Harrison. Ed, it's a pleasure to have you back here on Mining Stock Daily. How have you been? Good, Trevor. Great to uh, great to talk to you, and uh, you know, interesting day for us to have this conversation. Yeah. Well, well, first off, most importantly, are they treating you okay over there, at Bloomberg? Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> I've been very happy now eight months, so that's why we haven't talked for so long. But uh, really excited to be back in your program and to uh, to talk about the markets. Yeah, well, I hope we can uh, get back into routine with you because you 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 were a, a big fan favorite here on the podcast. So hopefully we can have you on more frequently. Once again, uh, we gotta we gotta talk about really the big news of the day, and that was the CPI print early this morning, and also the market response following. Uh, obviously, coming in hotter than anticipated, seven and a half percent year over year, uh, and and the the bonds yields are rising rather rapidly, but that's been a trend that's been going on for oh probably the better part of two weeks now ed uh as you saw the print come in this morning and the market response what really stuck out to you i think what stuck out for me was the rise in the expectation for a 50 basis point hike in the uh, march 2022 meeting and coupled with a curve flattening so for me, the the tenor of what we saw today suggests that the market believes that the Fed's behind the curve. Uh, the reason that they're moving 50 is because they're uh, in panic mode behind the curve and the potential for over-tightening has increased as a result. And that's why you see twos going up 18 basis points, which is a really aggressive move, but you see the 10-year going up less, a curve flattening because the potential for a policy mistake has increased. Uh, you know, if you would have asked me yesterday, and I think I actually said yesterday, I didn't believe a 50 basis, point, 50 basis point rise was on the books. Today, maybe I don't feel, maybe I feel a little bit differently. Uh, but what do, you, what do you think? I mean, do you think that really is something they do? I mean, they, they typically just want to dabble their toes in the water first. Yeah, I think it's something that they do. Let me just give you the timeline about how I'm thinking about it. First, in a month ago, actually over a month ago now, I think it was the 7th, perhaps, of January, I said that they should go 50. Uh, and the reason is, is because it builds in more optionality. If you go 50, uh, which is essentially front-loading your hikes, you don't necessarily have to say that we're going to put in more hikes, more uh, increase in 2022. It's the same amount, but we're just going to front load that. What they've said instead is we want to front load it by hiking at each meeting in the beginning and then taking a pause. Going 50 allows them to pause sooner, allows them to, uh, allows them to do whatever they need with the balance sheet in order to make sure that the curve is still steep instead of flattening the way that it is now. So you, when I said that, uh, within two or three days, if you looked at where Fed fund futures were for the March 2022 meeting, it was only like 5% betting on a 50 basis point hike. So if you fast forward to two days ago, that number had already moved up to 28%. And I wrote a post at, on Bloomberg. I'm part of the MLive team, which is on the terminal. Uh, I, the, the headline for the post was a hot CPI could mean 50 basis points in March. And my reasoning was that the Fed does not want to surprise the market. 
28% was close enough to 50 that a hot print would take you over 50, and then the Fed would be forced to, to move in that direction because the market was already pricing it in. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, now we're at, instead of 28% for a 50, we're at 28% for a 25. So a full 72% of Fed funds future probability is for the 50 basis point hike. And then Bullard came out today saying he wants 100 basis points by July. So that's in the March, May, and June meeting. So 50 in one of those meetings. And he, he uh, favors a 50 in the, the March meeting. So we've gotten the, the guidance that tells you 50 is on the table. And so therefore, we have to believe that that's actually potentially going to happen. Uh, talk about the immediate market response today. We're seeing obviously the S and P's down one and one point four percent. Nasdaq's down one point seven. Dow down one point two percent. You know, if is the market beginning to price in a fifty basis point hike, uh, just based on the first couple hours of trading you're seeing here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Fed fund futures is, are definitely pricing it in. We're even pricing in a potential intermeeting hike. If you can believe this, Fed fund futures are showing, you know, eight basis points uh, for the February 2022 uh, futures. So what that says is, is that, you know, potentially we could see them move uh, to go intermeeting. I don't really think that's going to happen. And also, I think it would cre- it would spook the market, make the market think the Fed's panicked even more and then be behind the curve. Really, what they should be doing is messaging like Bullard that 50 is not just clearly on the table, but it's preferable from a front-loading perspective as opposed to a tightening more because we're behind the curve perspective, and then uh, follow through with that in March. They could go 35, they could go 40, but the point is is, is that it's now fully priced in. Uh, if, if they don't do it, they're going to disappoint the market. And the markets won't like that and they will sell off. So when you talk about the equity markets down on this news, that makes sense because many of the stocks, especially in the S&P, are actually backloaded in terms of their net present value of earnings. So when, you, when you know, the discount rates uh, go up, your stocks, your earnings, the net present value goes down. And so... This is a repricing, 450, and I think that uh, we'll see what the March holds, the March CPI print, which is March the 10th. That's going to be where the proof is in the pudding. Uh, where does this leave the corporate bond and the leveraged loan market right now? Are those people sweating a little bit today? Yeah, you know, like if you, I've been saying that, you know, there was a potential for what I would call a taper tantrum in 2022 versus 2021. And the reason is, is, is that, you know, tapering, when they first did it in 2021, they said, by the way, this has nothing to do with rate hikes. Okay. We just want you to know we're separating the two of them. Uh, there's tapering, then there's rate hikes. Then by the time we got to the end of the year, suddenly they were saying, oh, wait a minute, uh, we're, we're changing that. Uh, we are going to hike almost immediately. And now they're fully coupled. So when they're fully coupled, the market is now front running the uh you know the action they're they're anticipating what's going to happen going forward and that gives you a tantrum like response that's why we saw 18 basis points in the two year that 
is very negative for the most high risk assets, so high beta equities. And if you look at the bond space, the same is true in the bond space as well. So junk had its worst January in in history uh, this past month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stabilized somewhat, but this is a bit of a shock, the, the CPI print. So really what we should be thinking as a result of it is, yes, uh, junk should be under more pressure, especially the triple Cs uh, and the lower rated uh, uh, high yield market. Uh, I, I want to talk about the politics of this a little bit. Uh, last night, there was actually news out of the White House to people saying, expect a, I don't remember the exact words, but a hot inflation print, higher, maybe higher anticipated. And that's obviously what we got. Uh, you know, I remember a year ago, you and I were talking about like, does, how political does this, the inflation back then transitory story become political? I mean, is there any doubt right now that this is turned into a political issue with inflation running hotter than anticipated? Yes, it's a hundred percent. It is. If you, uh, you know, uh, Omicron for instance, was uh, terrible for the U S economy. Uh, if you looked at jobless claims, they went up. Uh, you know, probably we're going to see a big hit uh, to GDP. The uh, GDP now numbers were uh, 0.1%. The last that I looked at them, uh, they're going to obviously go up. Uh, we're expecting something in the order of 3.54%, but that's down from monster numbers that we saw in Q4. So definitely Omicron uh, took us down. However, jobs are looking very nice. Uh, the, we didn't get the, the hit to the jobs numbers that we expected. So if you're a Democrat, if you're, if you're Joe Biden, you're saying, look, jobs are great. Uh, you know, the economy's roaring back. We're doing a great job. We're at the lowest unemployment level that we've been since, uh, the, you know, uh, since this pandemic began. But lo and behold, uh, he can't do that. Why? Because of inflation. Uh, the consumer confidence is incredibly low. We get the Michigan number tomorrow. And the reason that it's low is because of inflation. So the Democrats want inflation to go away as an issue. And the Fed rolled the dice on the concept that it would go away of its own accord, and it hasn't done so. And now, politically, since there's a midterm election coming up and the Democrats potentially could lose both houses, they they want action. Uh, they they're leaning on the Fed to to make this problem go away, uh, and so it, it it is a political issue. Where are you going with money right now? I mean, in general, we're we're seeing a lot of volatility perk back up. Uh, markets selling off. We got higher interest rates, obviously on its way. Uh, where's smart money heading right now? I think the smart money is headed towards lowering the risk profile, uh, you know, redistributing where you're putting your assets. So uh, value over growth, uh, lower beta over high beta, um, you know, higher uh, credit over lower credit. Uh, and so at the margin, just rebalancing your portfolio to take advantage of the fact that we're in a normalized environment, not just in the U.S., but globally. I think that this was teed up last week by the BOE and the ECB. You know, the Bank of England came out 25 basis points, and they were one vote short of going 50 basis points already. Mm. Then the, the ECB, which has said basically we're not going to do anything, 
they joined the party. They said, you know what? Uh, inflation is so high that we just can't hold off. We are going to move. And so risk is repricing on the, on the back of that. And so what that suggests, if risk is repricing, there's not as much need to reach for yield, to reach for duration, and therefore you should preemptively scale back on uh, on that allocation. Where does um, where does gold fit in all this? Any are you hearing any more conversations, discussions about getting the gold trade back in from that smart money? You know, I am in uh, I'm in a quandary in terms of the gold versus Bitcoin uh, debate. Because uh, I think a lot of the things that gold can do and has done in the past, its thunder is being stolen by Bitcoin, which is also trading like a high beta stock. So you have this asset, which is now, you know, sort of at the forefront of the zeitgeist of high beta, but also supposedly an inflation hedge, you know, taking on the role in part that gold should be playing. And, and, And that muddies the waters. It makes it very difficult to understand you know, where gold is headed over the short or medium term. Yeah. Ed, uh, it's really good to have you back on the show. I'm not kidding, man. It's been a long time. It has been too long. Let's let's do it again soon. <laughs> All right. And we'll talk Chelsea football on another. Uh, another on time. another hopefully positive <laughs> note, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. All right. That's Edward Harrison from Bloomberg. And that is a wrap today here on Mining Stock Daily. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our long firm interview. Have a great evening and be well. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.